Alright, let's uh, start making our way back to our seats. It's good to see everybody here. As you guys are making your way back, uh, welcome to City Light. If you don't know this, we exist to see all people know, love, and follow Jesus. And it is, it is so good to be back. And you just have to know three weeks without preaching. Might go a little long today, alright? Might go a little long today. No, honestly, I just want to say thank you to uh, the church here, to the leadership here for giving our family this time to be away. And as all of you know, anytime you have vacation, nothing goes the way that you expect it to go. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to sharing some of the things that the Lord really spoke to us about our family, but also about the church uh, beginning next week. The Lord is so faithful to minister to us during this time. And I want to just want to honor those people as well who stepped up and who served in different ways by preaching or by other other different ways they served. I got back and John John Feng, one of the elders here. He said, you know, it actually wasn't that hard, you being gone three weeks. <laughs> and, then, and that's what you want to hear. We have an incredible team of people here at City Life who love the church, who want to serve the church, and we're just so thankful. Um, before we get into everything that, uh, that is coming next for the church, I just want to share two things that I walked away with personally out of these three weeks. Um, the first thing that, that I walked out of is I, I feel more confident than ever of God's call on us as a church, His call on us as His church, City Life. And the second thing that I walked out of these three weeks is just a greater love for you, the church. Just a greater love that there's nothing I would rather be doing than serving in this capacity right here. And so I praise God for that. And before we get to everything that comes next, and I think it's going to be good for our church, we have a lot of work to do because we have to finish First Thessalonians. Have you guys enjoyed going through First Thess? You can't really say no, can you? But it's been amazing just the, the topics that we've been able to talk about in the small book of five chapters. Uh, we talked about uh, divine election, the election of God. We talked about love. We talked about sexual immorality. 
We've talked about spiritual warfare. We've talked about suffering. And we've talked about even the return of Christ. Return. Yeah, this book is packed with so many things. And as we get to these last 10 verses, if you read it, it's almost like Paul is just kind of putting everything at the end. Well, he forgot to say in the beginning, because just, just a bunch of these commands at the very end. He's like, oh, I forgot this, I forgot this. But as you look at chapter 5, verses 12 through 22, there is this one big idea that is tying everything together. We're going to read about it in these two verses. Alright, so let's, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this afternoon. Alright, we'll read it first in English. And they'll read it in Chinese. Alright, one, two, three. Now may God, our peace Himself, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. 好,接下来我们家庭书五章二三二十四节,请,愿赐平安的神,亲自使你们完全承受,又愿你们整个人灵魂和身体都得蒙保守,在我们的主耶稣基督再来的时候,无可指责,那主张你们的是信实的,他必
God begins a work in you. And He works through you, He works around you, and there's a goal in what He's doing with your life. And it's to make you more and more and more like His Son. I mean, some people call it maturing, some people call it growing in Christ, but the idea is that God is doing something to make you more and more like Jesus. And there's three things that Paul wants you to know about your growth as a Christian from these last ten verses. He says the process of sanctification is number one, the work of God's people. It's the work of God's Spirit. And finally, it's a work that God will complete Himself. So let's jump right into the text. Uh, verse 12, Paul begins to talk about that sanctification in your life includes God's people. And he mentions two specific groups of people in these first two or three verses here. The first thing he begins to talk about is leaders, leaders, spiritual leaders in your life. He says here in verse 13, if you're following along, he says, you should regard leaders very highly in love because of their work. And so Paul says, hey, listen, your growth as a Christian, my growth as a Christian includes leaders that God has placed over me and over me. And he describes the work that leaders do. He describes it as toil. If you look in verse 12, he says the labor that they do, it's toil. Now we've, we've talked about this word, but the word toil is this idea that it's a lot of work, but not always a lot of payoff for that work. It's a lot like parenting. Sometimes it's like three steps forward and then 15 steps backward. And this is the kind of work that God has called Christian leaders to do. But, but Paul says that there are two ways that leaders, godly leaders, labor for you and for me to grow in Christ. The first thing in verse 12, he says that they labor by leading. Now this is really basic that leaders lead, right? But I think far too often, especially, there's this growing distrust in leadership. That we're not supposed to trust leaders, we criticize leaders. But Paul says, actually, for your growth as a Christian, God has called men and women to lead you, to lead me. And 
that leadership is good for us. It's vital for us if we're going to grow as a Christian. And as we're thinking about this, we're reminded that you know Christianity is not a democracy. We have, we have a king. He gives orders, he gives commands. And according to his grace and through the power of his spirit, he calls men and women to lead his people. But this isn't something new, but in the Old Testament, he called men and women to lead his people. And in the New Testament, Jesus does the same. He calls people, equips people to lead his church. Now, but it's, it's one thing to say, well, yeah, leaders lead, but how are Christian leaders supposed to lead? First uh, Peter, if you turn with me to First Peter chapter 5, Peter is talking to the church and he begins to talk specifically to leaders in the church. And so if you would consider yourself a leader in the church or if you would consider yourself a leader, listen to what Peter says to you. He says, elders of the church, he says here in verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 好,這裡在講到說呢,我們這同座長老也要為基督受苦做見證,你們當中做長老的務要牧養在你們中間神的群羊,按著神的旨意看顧他們,不是出於勉強,而是出於甘心,不是因為貪財,而是出於熱誠
We're supposed to do it from Scripture, from the Bible. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So here's the thing is that if, if we find ourselves under a leader who's calling us to obey a personal preference, a personal opinion, or a personal message, I think the Bible would say, why are we following that leader? The only authority that we have as leaders in the church comes from Scripture and the Bible alone. That's the only authority that we have. And so Paul says, man, if there are spiritual leaders in your life leading you by example, but also calling you and I back to the Word of God, that's how we grow in Christ. So do you have this kind of leadership in your life? Do you have these kind of people in your life? And I want to say something carefully, but I also think it's, it matters in an international context. Paul is not talking about a spiritual mentor that lives a thousand miles away in another country. Those people are great, those people are important. But where does Paul say these leaders do this kind of work? Verse 12. Among you. Do you have men and women who know how you act in your marriage, walk around with your kids, how you, how you operate at work? These are the type of leaders that we need in our life. And so the question is, if I want to grow as a Christian, do I have these kind of leaders in my life? I think another question would be, do we really want to be led like this? Because the Bible would say it's important for us to grow as a Christian to be led in this way. Now the second thing that Paul mentions here about God's people, he says the church is not just supposed to be a place where you know the leaders do all the work, but he goes on to say that every single person here as a Christian has a job and a part to play in this as well. He says it here in verse 13 and 14. And look at verse 13 because Paul makes this really interesting command to the church. He says, be at peace among yourselves. How would you guys think or imagine what this would look like? What would it look like for this community, for the church? Be at peace among yourselves. 
Because what's interesting is Paul follows that command about being at peace. And what does he tell them to do in verse 14? Warn the idol. Have some good, healthy confrontation. Would any of us think that this is some way that we're supposed to strive for peace? Immediately think about, yeah, I need to warn this person. But Paul is saying, listen, that if we're going to grow and mature as a person, as a church, these are these things that we have to be doing for each other, to each other. The first thing he says, he says, I want you to warn the idol. This is a sin that this church really struggled with. He mentions it twice in the first letter that he writes, he mentions it again in 2 Thessalonians. They were struggling with being idle. And the idea of idol, it's, it's the idea of not being battle ready. It's kind of like you're taking yourself out of formation. Everybody else is going this way. You're saying, I'm going to kind of do my own thing and be by myself. It's the attitude that says, you know, I don't really care about God's church, about God's people, about God's leaders. I'm just going to be by myself and do my own thing. And Paul says what's good for people like this, what's the loving thing to do in this moment, he says, warn them. Sit down and tell them you are making a mess of your Christian walk. The second thing he says, he says, as we sanctified or being sanctified, he says, comfort the discouraged. Now the word discouraged, this is describing someone who feels faint-hearted, who feels like, you know, I don't really have anything left. And he says, hey, in the church, when we encounter people like this, if they come, and I'm just, I feel like I have nothing left, I feel faint-hearted. He says we respond with comfort. Now, this word comfort, there's this beautiful picture. It's made up of two words. The one word is to speak. The next word is to come near. So it's this idea that when people are being feeling discouraged, having faint-hearted, we come near to them. The last thing that Paul says, he says, help the weak. He says, he says, help the weak among you. This person that feels weak, you could be you could be described as someone who is struggling with sin, you feel weak to overcome sin in your life. And 
And he says, when people come to you and they say, man, I just feel, I feel powerless to overcome this sin in my life. He says, our response should be to help. In this picture, I'm not going to do it, but this picture is like you're going to hold fast to this person. Like if I was going to hold fast to Yiping like she was drowning or something, that's the picture of help. It's this idea that I'm going to hold fast to you, and we're going to hold fast to Christ together, and we're going to figure this thing out. But here's the issue. Many times, in my own life, and I think in the church, we help people who should be warned, and we warn people who should be helped. And a lot of times we come to people who are struggling with idleness and we don't want to confront and so we just say, well, I just need to help, I just need to encourage. Paul says that's not what you do in that moment. You warn them about what they're doing and what they're walking into. And I also think that a lot of times people don't want to confess sin in the church because when they do, a lot of times we respond to them like we should respond to the idler. Instead of with encouragement, instead of with comfort, with help. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of problems in my life relationally. Has come because I have confronted when I shouldn't have, or I didn't confront when I should have. And so if there's a real danger that's kind of walking this out wrong, how are we supposed to know this about each other? I mean, no one walks into City Light, puts on their name tag, hey, my name's Colin and I am an idler. Or my name's Colin and I'm struggling with this sin. How do we even know this about each other? And listen, Paul says this is important because this is how we grow and are sanctified in Christ. So how are we going to know this? You know, is this going to happen at a Sunday gathering? It's not going to happen here. Is it going to happen at gospel communities? Maybe. Depends on how vulnerable you want to be. See, what Paul is talking about here, in order for you to be matured in Christ, be sanctified in Christ, and for me to grow, we need to be in intentional, deep relationships with each other. And it is my hope, it is our hope at City Light, every single one of you is in an intentional discipling relationship with someone. And 
Because we need each other. You know, um, I enjoy watching like videos or YouTube clips about rock climbing. There's a movie that came out. It's called Free Solo. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I like watching it. Never once in my life have I driven by this huge mountain. And said, you know what? There's just something in me that just wants to risk my life and climb that thing. Living my life through other people. And there's a type of rock climbing called free soloing. And、uh, it is the most dangerous type of rock climbing. Because you're climbing this this risky rock face. With no support system. No help. Just by yourself and your own power. And it's the most dangerous type of rock climbing. And you know the most dangerous type of Christian living? Free soloing. It's where you you have said and you have chosen to say, I'm going to isolate myself. I don't need the body. I don't need God's leaders, and I don't need God's people. And I'm telling you, that is the most dangerous way to live your life as a Christian. So here's Paul's advice to you. So Paul, he advised us. My advice to you as well. If you want to grow and mature as a Christian, find a local church that preaches the Bible faithfully. Has godly leadership, biblical leadership. Is making disciples. Commit to those people. Begin to walk these things out. And you will be amazed. How God does His perfect work through imperfect people in your life. So Paul says the first way, first part about God's sanctification, that it's the work of God's people. We need each other here. But then he also says it's not just the work of God's people, but he says it's the work of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If you look at verse 16, Paul begins to say, "Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything." For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I don't know about you, but how can you be a person, honestly, who, what does it say? Rejoice always, praise constantly, give thanks in every single situation. How can you be that kind of person? I can't. I don't think you can either. And that's why I think Paul is beginning to talk about this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit's ministry and work in your life as a Christian. So this is also the fruit of the Holy Spirit's ministry and work in your life as a Christian. So this is also the fruit of the Holy Spirit's ministry and work in your life as a Christian. So this is also the fruit of the Holy
保罗说呢，是我们在生命这个基督徒生命当中的圣灵在你生命当中所成就的结的一个属灵的果子。And so there's two aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that are important for your growth and for my growth as a Christian. 所以呢，在你我这样基督徒的生命里面成长里面，有两个很重要的这个重点哈。The first one is the fruit of the Spirit. 第一个就是属灵的果子。Like we said, how do we rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything? 啊，就像我刚刚讲的，我们多常喜乐，然后常常不住祷告，多久去谢一次恩啊 ？The flesh can't. 我们的肉体做不到。But the Holy Spirit can. 可是圣灵可以。And so if you look here at Galatians 5:22. Paul says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the law is not against such things. So here, 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 I may be more holy than me, but me just driving to church, I need the fruit of the Spirit in my heart. 那你要知道，每一次我开车要来教会的时候，我的心里面真的要有圣灵的果子。There is not one situation where we do not need the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifesting in our life and in our relationships. 我想呢，在我们任何的层面，我们的关系当中，我们每一刻都需要圣灵的果子。You know what? What if? What if you came to me this past week and you said, "Hey, hey, Colin, how are you? How are you preparing for for Sunday to preach?" 上一周呢，有人来问我说：“哎 ，Colin， 你是怎么样子来预备奖章的 ？”I said, "I don't know. I mean, I think when I get up there, I'll just kind of see what comes out." 然后我就说：“哎，我其实也不知道，反正我一上台，看我有什么样的灵感，我就说。” It's usually how bad stories start. 你要知道，如果是靠灵感，那个就是很糟糕的情况。And you would think that I'm crazy. 你会觉得我疯了。That I've not taken advantage of all the resources that have been given to me through Bible software, through reading the Bible, to prepare me for this moment. 然后呢，你就会觉得说，怎么我都没有好好的善用周边的一些产品来帮助我预备我的奖章呢 ？And in the same way, the Holy Spirit, you have been given every single resource. Through the power of the Holy Spirit to prepare you to walk out the Christian life. So we, 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 we In your ways, walk in step with you, and not in my own flesh. That 有多少时候呢？你自己也可以来问一下，多多长你真的是靠着圣灵的这个这样子的一个帮助，然后来行出你的生命。For every situation, it's just like Holy Spirit. I need more of you and less of me. 是不是在很多的情况里面，就说上帝啊，要更多的你，然后我自己呢，完完全全要投降。And so Paul says that sanctification, growth in your life, looks like an increase of the fruit of the Spirit. In your life, and in my life. So, Paul, 呢，他说呢，一个基督徒的成长，一个成长的过程呢，就是会看到你生命当中属灵果子的成长。Now, this does not mean that you're always going to look like this fully blossomed tree with fruit on every single branch. That's not the picture of the Christian life. 那我想，一个基督徒这个图片，并不是说你是长像一棵真的是果实茂密的这棵果树一样啊。But the point is, is that there will be fruit. 那我讲的重点是说，你的生命会结出果子。Okay, the first thing, the fruit of the spirit. 好，第一个就是讲到属灵的果子。The next thing Paul says, he says in verse 19, we're going to spend some time here, but he says, 
Do not stifle the spirit. Paul says that there is a way somehow that we can stifle or quench the sovereign spirit of God. In the word stifle, it's the idea of there's a fire here and we just pour this big bucket of water on the fire, trying to stifle or quench it. That's the picture. How do we stifle the spirit? This doesn't mean that when we when we do this, it doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is not sovereign or that He cannot do whatever He wants to do. That's not what this means. But this means that the Holy Spirit has chosen a certain way to work through His people, and there is a way that we can stifle that or quench them. In verse 20, Paul says how this church was doing it. He says, do not despise prophecies. And so as we talk about sanctification in your life, growing as a Christian, Paul says what are important for you is not only the fruit of the Spirit, but also the gifts of the Holy Spirit are vital for our sanctification, our growth into what Christ has called us to be. Sorry, and I wonder how many of us thought today, you know what? I actually think that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are important to me growing as a Christian. How, how, how many times do we think about that? Now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul said this church was guilty of despising prophecies. And the word despise means to kind of cast it aside. It means to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it means to look at prophecy and say, ah. I don't care. I don't want it. Not about that. And when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are two extremes. One extreme is to have this kind of attitude to say, we don't care about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We actually despise the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the, you know, the second extreme is to just make it all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the truth is, I'm not really interested in either of those things. But what, what I'm interested in is having what the Bible says we can have. The Bible says that we can have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this church, I want us to think about what does it mean to despise prophecy? What does it mean to actually despise the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Why would Paul have to tell this church, hey guys, remember, don't despise prophecy? 
Some people think that Paul's talking about Old Testament prophecy. Hey, just don't despise the word of God. But that's not what I think Paul's talking about. Because immediately after he says don't despise prophecies, in verse 21, he says, test all things. Nowhere in the Bible are we called or are we told that we can test or examine Scripture. Scripture tests and examines us. And so what Paul is talking about here is the gift, the Holy Spirit given gift of prophecy in the local church. Why did Paul have to tell them, don't despise this gift? Well, if you look at this, this letter that Paul wrote, but also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says this, he says, Do not be easily troubled or upset, either by a prophecy or by a message, alleging that the day of the Lord has come. It seems like this church just had this negative experience with either an immature Christian or a false prophet prophesying something wrong. And, and because of that experience, they said, I'm just going to despise it all together. I don't want anything to do with it. And I imagine that if I went around, if we just had a survey right now and I said, who in here has ever had negative experiences with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Everybody would probably raise their hand. And yet here, Paul's attitude toward that experience, toward that situation in the church. It's not rejection, but it's correction. And he warns them, and he says, listen, you have the possibility of stifling the work of the Holy Spirit in your community because you are despising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like? What does it look like to not despise it, but to test all things? Paul says here, the picture that Paul says is that if this gift is exercising in your community, he says you test it. And the way that you test it is that you hold that, that prophecy, you hold it up to the written word of God. You say, man, is this prophecy, is it in line with what God has written, what God has said in His Word? And if it is, 
He says, "Hold on to it." If it's not, it doesn't matter if Apostle so and so said it. If it's not according to the written word of God, you have no obligation to do anything with it. Now, I was surprised actually working through this text. Just how often the New Testament talks about prophecy. And I'm not always I'm not always comfortable with that. And here's an example that the New Testament gives us. There's a guy named Timothy. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. Paul left him in this place called Ephesus. It was a hard place. Paul was suffering. Timothy was suffering. Timothy was not feeling confident about his calling. And this is what Paul says to him. First, chapter one, verse eighteen. He says, "Timothy, my son, I am giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you, so that by recalling them, you actually may fight the good fight." That Paul says, and he mentions it later on. But somehow there was this prophecy made for Timothy. And it was confirmed by the elders or whatever by the word of God to be true and to be good. Paul is just telling them, hey, remember that when God has spoken to you. Remember that. Hold on to that. It's meant to encourage you in the situation that you're in. So, church, do we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit as vital to our growth and our maturity as a Christian? Two ways that the gifts of the Spirit help you mature as a Christian. Number one, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit they edify you as a Christian. Basically, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that the reason the gifts are given is so that we would be edified and we'd be strengthened. And the second thing that the gifts of the Holy Spirit do is they equip. Ephesians 4. Jesus has given certain gifts to certain people, and when they're exercised, it says that they equip the church to do the ministry of the church. So, a question we have to ask ourselves is that are we guilty of doing the same? Am I guilty of despising the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Am I guilty of despising prophecies? 
我是不是自己也这样子藐视了先知的讲论 ？Have I stifled? Have I quenched the work of the Holy Spirit in my life or even in the church because I've despised the good gifts of grace that He gives to His church? 是不是我不喜欢看到神给教会里面这样子的一个恩赐，所以呢，我就消灭了圣灵的感动？ You know, I think if if that is you or if that is me, the proper response would just be simply repentance and faith. 那如果说是你的话，或者是这个是我的话呢？很简单，我们就认罪悔改。You know, I've had plenty of experiences where where the gifts of the Spirit went wrong in my life. 其实，在我生命里面有很多时候呢，我看到这个属灵的恩赐呢，并不是按照他的方式成就。But I've also had experiences where they were used by God to grow me as a Christian, to edify me, to strengthen me, and I believe I'm not the leader I am today without those experiences. About his ministry in my life. 那我也真的相信，在我生命里面，其实有很多这个生命的恩赐呢，真的是帮助到了我。And so maybe you're here this afternoon. 如果今天 ，and you're saying, yeah, I believe that. 你说你相信 ，but I have no idea what to do with it. 可是又不知道该怎么做。I don't know how I'm gifted. 我不知道我是恩赐在哪里。Well, it's clear that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for the good of the church. 那我们知道圣灵的恩赐是给教会。And so if you see a need. Just step into it. The Holy Spirit will give the gifts necessary for the needs of the church. And so Paul says, "Listen, two things: the work of God's people, the work of God's Spirit, are necessary for us to be sanctified, to grow as a Christian." And the final thing that Paul wants us to see: this is where we're going to close. As he said, sanctification, you guys, growing as a Christian is a work that God is going to complete Himself. It says here in verse 24, He who calls is faithful, and He will do it. 二十四节说，那招你们本是信实的，他必成就这事。That what God starts, He finishes. 神开始的，他必定会结束。And here's what Paul is telling you. 这也是保罗告诉我们的。There is someone that is more committed to your growth as a Christian than you are. 其实呢，你自己想要自己成长，但是还有一个人比你更希望看到你成长，还要来委身。There is someone more committed to your growth as a Christian than even this church is. 那那个人呢？他比你自己想要看到自己成长，或者是这个教会成长还要委身。It's God Himself. 这个委身的人就是上帝自己。God is working through everything in your life to grow you and to make you to be the person that He's called you to be. 神呢，他就是透过很多的事情呢，然后在你生命当中让你成为你应该要成为的样子。And God is so good that He works through your mistakes. 所以呢，神是美善的，他也透过你的这个错误来成就事情。Works through my sin. 他甚至透过了呃我的罪呢，还成就了大事。To to to change me, to mold me, to be the man that He's called me to be. 甚至呢，改变了我，成为呢他要我成为的样式。And this is what Paul wants you to know and wants you to be encouraged by. 这个也就是保罗呢，要你们知道，让你们受到鼓励的。God knows what He's doing with your life. You've not, if you're a Christian, you've not given your life to an idol in the temple. You've given your life to a sovereign, loving Father who knows what He's doing with your life. Your life is not given to an idol in the temple. You've given your life to a sovereign, loving Father who knows what He's doing with your life. Your life is not given to an idol in the temple. You've given your life to a sovereign, loving Father who knows what He's doing with your life. Your life is not given to an idol in the temple. You've given your life to a sovereign, loving Father who knows what He's doing with your life. 
knows how to sanctify you perfectly. That this work will be completed by God Himself. You are not here by coincidence. He has you where He has you for a reason. He knows what He's doing with your life. You know, I was talking to someone recently, and they said, you know, it's, it's encouraging to think about that. Because many times I wonder, man, am I going to make it? Because sometimes I wonder, man, am I going to make it? And his name is Jesus. The Jesus was perfect, we don't have to be. Romans 8, 28 I want you to believe this. I'm asking for you to believe this today. We know that all things, all things, work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those who He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. But as the worship team to come on up. And as we respond. You know, Paul says that God knows what he's doing with your life. And what he's doing in your life involves God's leaders in your life. It involves God's people in your life. And it involves God's Spirit working through you and in you in your life. So let's stand together. Now I want to ask you just to consider a couple of questions. Are you living your life right now completely isolated and have you chosen to isolate yourself from the body? Do you really believe that if we're going to grow as Christians that we need each other? And in your relationships, have you settled for a false sense of peace, a shallow peace, because maybe you're just not willing to walk out some of these conversations that need to be had?
Have we despised and stifled the work of the Holy Spirit by saying, you know, I don't, I don't need your gifts, I don't want your gifts? And finally, do we really believe that God knows what He's doing? He knows what He's doing with our lives. The Gospel reminds us that He knows what He's doing with your life. And then I just I just want to encourage uh, maybe someone here. And I say this lovingly. But God, but God has said, man, it's, it's time to get serious about our faith. It's time to grow in what God has called us to grow in. It's time to commit to what God has called us to commit to because He's growing you, He's sanctifying you for your joy. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you.